0: Will gets the puck for Carrier, he gets stripped, taps the loose puck for Kessel,
1: he scores! Kessel from below the goal line!
2: Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show.
3: Knights grab it on the right-wing side, Smith to the point, Petrangelo scores!
2: Set up by Riley Smith. Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard
0: and Ryan Wallace. Golden Knights getting set for an encounter against the New Jersey Devils tonight at the Fortress. We are in Section 104, getting you ready for that one. Also talking some league news. News notes with one-timers uh, uh, coming up in hour number two. We will also bring you EJ Raddick from the NHL Network as he gets his... Uh, uh, recovery time in from the National Hockey League trade deadline that occurred earlier today. And it was a frantic last couple of weeks for teams as now they try to uh, put everything together and complete this uh, season in uh, the fashion that a lot of these contenders feel like they should be in, in the sense of contending for a division title or a conference uh, championship. And tonight's game, you got Vegas Golden Knights tied for first in the Pacific. They can take over sole possession of top spot uh, over the idle Los Angeles Kings with a point tonight, mm-hmm. preferably a victory. And in the sense of the opposition, the New Jersey Devils, they can pass Carolina and take over top spot. And Carolina's kind of had a comfortable run here mm-hmm. on, on top of the Metropolitan Division. Uh, Carolina plays in Arizona tonight, but uh, but New Jersey is, is making a run right now. They're, they've really gone in the right uh, right direction. Yeah. Uh, they had a little sputter in December and after that, before and after. They've been lights out. So this is uh, a high-level game, just like it was on Wednesday uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes, another measuring stick game in this gauntlet of a schedule uh, for the next little while for the Golden Knights.
3: Yeah, 100%. Uh, The New Jersey Devils have been really, really good all season long. And, you know, you kind of mentioned the speed wobble. They spent uh, some time without Jack Hughes, and that certainly uh, makes them a little bit less dynamic. But this is a New Jersey Devils team that has staying power, that has proven they are for real throughout Know, the first sixty games of the year, and they they're in a they're in an opportunity or have an opportunity in front of them, where it's going to be a real fight down the stretch between New Jersey and Carolina for top spot in the Metro. Who do you like most in the
0: Metropolitan Division after the trade deadline? I'll I'll ask uh, EJ Raddick that in a second, yeah. but uh, curious on on your side of it.
3: Yeah, I I like New Jersey a lot, um, and and I like them because I think in terms of you know teams i know that vladimir tarasenko moves the needle i know patrick kane moves the needle but timo meyer to me was was a player that the new jersey devils needed he's nasty he plays on the inside he scores goals he's bigger he's physically just powerful, right he's just a powerful yeah. player and you know when you look at the new jersey devils there's a lot of finesse to that team and you know when i when i look at it the most impactful player in my opinion landed with the devils so i like them
0: New Jersey Devils over what the New York Rangers were able to assemble and they turned over a large part of their roster and with big names uh, as well. And Carolina was on the lesser unfulfilled part of the National Hockey League trade deadline, which is a little surprising given that their owner, Tom Dundon, actually came out and said, we're in a good spot. We want to be aggressive with this. So uh, that didn't happen. Here's E.J. Raddick from the uh, NHL Network. Uh, E.J., Uh, I've done a lot of these days uh, along with you and uh, throw them back and forth. And I made the statement to the guys uh, when I heard that you were booked for Friday night. This is a couple of days ago. I said, EJ's coming on at 8 o'clock Eastern after the trade deadline. That's shocking to me because you couldn't find me with a search party uh, after the trade deadline when I used to work on those days uh, for eight hours.
1: Well, Aaron, you always had a lot of heavy lifting. You were the you were hosting and doing like from like what five a.m. to like nine at night. Yeah, Canada. Yeah, and then- I mean, like I, don't, I don't, We I don't have though. I didn't have that kind of heavy lifting.
0: I'm just impressed, man. I want to, I want this to be on the record that I give you all the credit in the world that you are Thank doing you. Vegas radio tonight. Uh, given that uh, that it's been a frantic couple of weeks, uh, I haven't seen anything like the lead up to it. Today was was a, a little bit of a clean up the yard kind of thing uh, after yeah. the trade deadline, but the last couple of weeks has been ferocious for activity.
1: Yeah, it's been. I haven't seen anything like this in the past, and I guess it's the. It's probably a lot of different factors. I mean, the cap being what it is, the uh, players, uh, you know, the, the kind of changing environment around the league because of that, and some teams going feeling the opportunity is kind of wide open. There's the six big teams in the East. There's a sense in the West that like anything could happen in the West this year with, you know, Colorado has had the injury issues. I think when they're all healthy, if they ever get healthy, they're still probably the best team, but it's not... None of these teams, even those teams in the East that loaded up, I mean, it's, it's a sliver of a difference. Uh, I think that's what fans don't necessarily understand when they when we talk about hockey is that there's not a lot of difference between some of these teams, even though they might have bigger, shinier names. When you put them on the ice in a, in a hockey game where, I mean, it's a, oftentimes a one-goal difference, The difference between a good bounce or a bad bounce, you know, or just good fortune or somebody staying healthy at the right time. So it's tight, and all those things come together to create kind of a crazy two weeks. But we've had a lot of trades.
3: You know, E.J., when you kind of look at the Atlantic division, we're pretty much destined – to see Toronto and Tampa once again, uh, do you do you view what the Toronto Maple Leafs did, what Kyle Dubas did, as too many moves, or do you like the strategy? Understanding who your first round opponent is likely going to be. Well, I
1: think that they want to try to supplement their core as best they can. And in other years, they've taken different approaches. They're a little bit limited by some of the big expenditures they've made, you know, in the past. And you know, like Kyle Dubas and that group there, I. You know, he they're better at their jobs there now than they were four years ago, right? I think we all like—we all should think that like, when we have the experience of time and whatever we do, we get better at it. And I think Kyle Dubas and his group there have gotten better at it over the years. And I think you know, they look at it, they know the task in front of them. I mean, Tampa Bay is a really good team. And when we, we look at that series and we try to predict it, right, you start by saying, well, they have a big edge in goal. They have maybe the best coach in the league. They've got... The, the, probably the edge in terms of the top defender. I don't think that Toronto has anybody that in the ilk of Victor Hedman. Toronto has some really high-end forwards. But, like, these are both really good teams. Now, I give Tampa the edge just because of, as I said, the goaltender makes a huge difference in these things. But it's close. So Toronto has done the best they can to try to bring in some depth on defense to kind of be get one more kind of piece into the top six. They did that with Ryan O'Reilly. It gives their coach, uh, Sheldon Keith a lot more options in terms of how he wants to uh, deploy these uh, these different players he has. And I think I looked at them the other night against Calgary. They played 7-D, and maybe that's something that they'll do on a more regular basis there, because when you look at that group with those top-end forwards, you want to play them more anyway. Mm-hmm. And we've seen John Cooper in Tampa have success going 11-7. and 7. So Maybe that's a plan for the... For the Toronto Maple Leafs down the road. All these moves and all that said, they've got some question marks in goal, and in big games, that's going to be important. So if, if the goaltenders hold up for Toronto, they were close with Tampa last year, maybe this is the year they get over the hump.
0: I, I would go 9-9 nine and nine if I was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Forget forget that <laughs> 14 <in> the total. <laughs> just 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 go with that. Maybe, maybe two goaltenders. Maybe go nine nine eight and, and two in, yeah, in, in that. Hey, um, hey, is, I
3: don't if,
1: know what I don't know what the rules are on that. So I mean I'd have to look that up. If
0: if it was fifty fifty going in, and I'm not saying it was, but I'm just gonna for sake of argument, uh, uh, for the question, uh, between Toronto and Tampa. What? How much do you think Ryan O'Reilly, who I love as on the defensive side of it, uh, more so than than putting the puck in the net for the Toronto Maple Leafs in this situation, how much do you think he moves the needle beyond
1: 50-50? I think he moves it a little beyond there. I think he, they were looking at talking to people in Toronto in the run-up, in the, like last month, right? They felt like they wanted to add another top six forward to their group to slide some other guys into different positions. Now, they've made a number of moves around that as well to kind of strengthen and solidify the back end of their forward group and their defense. But that was the goal, and they ended up bringing O'Reilly in, and I think they could load up, as they have, putting O'Reilly on a second line or 1-1A and with the lines they have there with Tavares and Marner. They played very well together. But he could also decide that, you know what, I want to play the three centers and go down that road from time to time. It just gives him more options. So O'Reilly should be energized. Uh, he missed some time this year with an injury, but it wasn't a significant injury that like I think will hamper him. Of what I was told, was a broken bone, so it was kind of one of those things that healed. He's good. He's ready to go, and I think that helps a player that's into his early 30s now. So you know, I think it moves the needle a little bit. And also, I mean, it's something that's also valuable is the guy has been to the end of the rainbow. He's won the Stanley Cup. He was a Smythe winner. And Toronto is not a group that has had a lot of those type of players in their mix, just because... You know, those are kind of guys that uh, they—you don't always get a chance to get them. So I think that will help as well. Um, I, I got to say, I think that Toronto has done just about as much as they could do around their group based on the situation they were in. I think it's going to be a hell of a series, guys. I mean, I, it's one of—I mean, we know it's coming. Last year was seven games. I got a sense it'll probably be seven games again this year.
0: E.J. Raddick's with us from the NHL Network, somebody I have the most uh, respect for that he's doing a radio interview after the trade deadline day, (laughs) that he's got anything left uh, to give, and he's giving it to us right now on Fox Sports Las Vegas, right?
3: So, E.J., let's shift over to the Metropolitan Division. Um, Who moved the needle most in in the lead-up to and, and on trade deadline day? I would say the Devils because the Devils got a piece
1: that is really in the prime of his career that fits really what they needed that is someone that they're likely going to be able to keep there on a long-term basis so i think that because of that i would say the devil and you know the rangers obviously had a tarasenko and kane and a couple of other pieces around their group that i think will help them as well but it's you know those guys are they're in there as rentals pretty much i don't know if they're going to be able to figure out a way to keep either kane or tarasenko moving forward so you know that's just in the short term and they've got to find a way to get those pieces all together so we'll see how that plays out for them um but i think the devils of that group in that division just because meyer is such a good fit really is kind of a, a perfect piece in that top six to so go along with Hughes and Heesha and Brat and that group they have they're really nice couples
0: if you wanna bring a team together, what's your go to? Is it curling? Is it darts? Is it bowling? <laughs> because I think I think a few of these teams are gonna be looking for some of these bonding moments uh, to get everybody on the same page and, and create a team atmosphere.
1: Yeah, just get like, you know, get those stickers that like you put on like, Hi, my name is Joe Yes, yes I play with the lead. I'm with the leads. So, oh look, Austin, it's so nice to meet you. How you been? And I've heard a lot about you over the years. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be crazy. It, there's just been a lot of movement. Like like, Darren, you said it. You've been doing this a long time. You've had these deadline days. It wasn't so much today, but it was just this this roll of trades for the last yeah. like seven, ten days. That it's just been you know it just got it, it, more and more happening. And it's and and the number of defensemen that moved is incredible. And I'll tell you, I watched the Ottawa Senators last night. I was at the Garden for the Rangers and Senators. I'm impressed with the Ottawa Senators. I mean, we know they're going to be good down the road with the young players they have. But Jacob Chikrin is an absolute horse, and he is going to be a he is going to be a big time factor. And then left side with Shabbat, Sanderson, and and Chikrin. I mean, it's amazing. That is that is pretty special to me as young players. And then like Brady Kachuk, I mean, this guy is just a beast. He goes in the corner, gets the puck, comes out in front. I mean that's a great line he's got with and and Giroux right now so the Ottawa Senators I mean they're feeling it right now maybe they're one of those teams that can maybe they're the one that gets to the playoffs this year I don't know if I'd be surprised based on what I saw last night
0: what's your impression of the West how do you evaluate it coming out of the trade deadline
1: I think I think that uh, I mean I think Colorado to me if everybody gets healthy by playoff time is still the best team because they've got such a huge motor in the back I mean when you have and you have Byron. Uh, those two guys are, are high, high end players. And then they complement them with some of the other guys back there. I know Manson is out now, but hopefully they get him back. And Gerard is a good puck mover. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. They have that huge engine that drives them. And you guys just saw them, I guess. Vegas just played yeah. Colorado, I guess, a week, 10 days ago. And, you know, you got to see what Colorado can do to you. They can make it hard on you. They play with tremendous pace. But. Hard to win back to back, as we know, they have had a lot of injuries. Hard to know how they're going to be health wise when the season ends. So I think for that reason, I think it's, it's you got to feel like it's wide open. I think Vegas has had a really good year. Like everybody, they had a little dip before the All Star uh, before the All Star weekend. They've kind of taken off again since then. I like the balance of their team, and they're another team. Unfortunately, they're missing Mark Stone, so that's that's a loss. But uh, they've been able. You know, this is a year they made smaller moves at the deadline, but maybe those players come in and, and be really nice pieces to the puzzle. Jack Eichel seems to be picking his game up of late. I love their defense. Jay Theodore is back in the mix. You saw how much you missed him when he was out. Now that he's back in, that gives them another look back there. I don't know how much Jonathan Quick has left in the tank, but you know, you're looking to add depth at a position where they've had some injuries. So I mean I, I, I like Vegas's team. They're really well coached. I think the LA Kings with the moves they made that's a, they're a matchup problem because of Kopitar and Dano you know, down the middle. The Oilers, we you know what started with the, the top of their lineup, how dangerous those guys are. They just seem to be getting better. They've added some pieces around the edges. You know, the central. I, I liked what Minnesota did today. Now, I don't think Minnesota is going to go on any long run, but I like some of the little moves they've made. And in a year where, like, you know, if they got in a first round series with, with Dallas or Winnipeg, I mean, I. I think they could win that series, and then who knows from there. So I I think there's a a lot to say about the West. I think if I'm a GM in the West and my team's in the playoffs, I'm feeling good that, like, hey, especially in the Pacific, I can see a path to get to the conference final and maybe all the way to the final. Yeah, you could legitimately, without even being
0: a good debater, make a case for anybody.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I could, you know, I mean, Seattle. I, I don't know about Seattle as much, but certainly Edmonton, certainly L.A. Certainly Vegas, Colorado, Dallas, because they've got the pieces that you need in the postseason. And like I said, I like how Minnesota's been playing lately. And, you know, that Gustafson has been terrific in goal. I mean, if the playoffs start right now, he's got to be the starter. They've added some pieces around. And I don't think anybody talks enough about Kaprizov, how good a player he is. He's one of the very best players in the league.
3: So, in terms of the West, because we we've, we've talked about how you can make a case for everybody, it's pretty wide open. Are are you surprised there wasn't a, a bigger move from a Western Conference team?
1: Well, I think that
3: they, they tried to get in on guys. I mean,
1: but the exodus this year was from those teams in the West selling to the East. It seemed yeah. like. I mean, know, Like, I'm sure. I'm sure that I know Vegas was interested in Timo Meyer, right? But make it work for whatever reason and you know LA was trying to get it on Chikrin they ended up you know getting Gabrikov who's a good player I don't I don't think he's, he's Chikrin in my view but that doesn't mean he's not a good and a helpful player for the LA Kings for what they needed so you know I think those teams all made effort to do it like Minnesota's kind of strapped because they can't take on term right all the players they added are players that are at the end of their contract because they've got challenges They're moving forward next year and a lot of dead money so uh. I think the cap impacted a lot, but I think those teams in the West, I think they were interested and tried to make it happen. But in the end, uh, the Devils have a load of prospects. I mean, it was almost inevitable they were going to get too because I just don't think anybody could match what the Devils had to offer. And the Devils didn't even give up their two or three best prospects.
0: Yeah. That and the Rangers not having to surrender Caco or Lafreniere, uh, is shocking yeah. to me that that if yeah. they were able to do the big moves that they did without surrendering one of those two pieces.
1: Yeah, I mean the reason they got in on Kane really was because you know he was a, he 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 made he, he, he came forward and you know basically said how disappointed he was right when Tarasenko went to the Rangers and so yeah. that gave everybody the eye like oh maybe you know he really wants to come here. Do you think and that was planned he played, or emotional? He really well. Do you think well, it was planned really, or
0: emotional? What what Kane said?
1: I think it was Well, I might have been a little of both. Yeah. You know, he probably – like I think after it happened, that uh, you know, that that dance that has gone all year between Kane and Taze and the Hawks is it's one that happens in pro sports. It happens on all teams when the Blackhawks are looking to rip everything down, right? It's not a rebuild, it's a demolition in Chicago. Let's be clear. I mean, they are they are in a long demolition there and so they had no desire to bring back Jonathan Tays or Patrick Kane I mean that is not high that was not high on their list but they're not gonna they can't go out every day and say you know what these guys aren't coming back we're not that's not from a PR standpoint that's not a winning hand from the player standpoint those guys can't sit there every day and say get me out of here because now they're look like they're you know hey Right, fans are in Chicago. I mean, they have a legacy there. So it's a little dance back and forth. And so when Tarasenko got moved, I think, you know, Kane has been, like, internalizing all this, and I think it just kind of came out that day. But it did serve a purpose. And then he went out and played, like, four or five really good games because that was the buzz that he was like, oh, he's got a hip issue. He hasn't been as good this year. And then he just lit it up. And I think, you know, the Rangers' big market team, they figured out that, you know, yes, we could still do this, this, and this. And ownership there, I think, was probably like, hey, why aren't we getting involved for this star player that apparently wants to come here? And at the other end for Chicago, they were happy with solving a problem. They knew they weren't going to get a lot. Patrick was driving the bus completely because he had a no move. It was very much like the closure deal from the year earlier. The only difference was the Flyers were able to get some pieces out of Florida, whereas the Rangers really were able just to, you know, they gave a, a, a couple of picks, and that was the end of it. So um, we'll see if it works, though, because talking to Bruce Boudreau, who I work with at the NHL Network a lot, Bruce's coach, he's been in so many different situations, there is a thing, there can be a thing of having maybe too many good players. So uh, we'll see how it all works out. Kane was, I thought, a little nervous and understandably so in that first game uh, last night. I think he'll figure it out more. He's too good not to. But it will be challenging to see kind of where all those pieces fit, particularly in power play minutes and in you know key situations offensively during the game. But on paper, you look at the Rangers and you're like, wow, they're pretty loaded.
0: Uh, EJ Raddick's with us. Uh, before we let you go, I thought we were done with this uh, because the trade deadline has passed and people be getting scratched uh, despite being able to play. But I just got to note <laughs> that uh, that due to post deadline exhaustion, EJ Raddick has been scratched <laughs> and will not play. Is is, is is that true? Like, are you going to watch a movie tonight? Is it Netflix? Are you going to watch hockey or are you just go to sleep?
1: Well, I'm not. I think I'll probably watch some hockey. I did have, you know, the Oscars are coming up, and I m- might. Want to maybe just watch one of those movies that is nominated? See, and I haven't watched any of them, but maybe this weekend. This is this is the time after the trade deadline. I learned this years ago from the, the veterans in the business. Have to catch your breath. Yep. Have a va- if you have any vacation time, it's a good time to take a break for a few days, maybe longer if you have that much time, and get refocused because then it really starts up again when we start the playoffs, and then you're in the grind right to the end. It makes sense because the story will be the same now. The trade deadline is passed. The story now will be who's in, who's out, who's you know how healthy are teams, and that story will just repeat itself over the next you know six seven weeks, and it'll be great to watch, especially you know in the East. I think the West. I think those eight teams that are in now are going to be the teams that are going to be in. I don't think Calgary or Nashville is going to get there, but in the East it's really interesting, especially like I said with Ottawa playing so well now which two teams end up in the wild card.
0: Enjoy the movie, buddy, and um, happy for you. I'm glad it's over, and uh, thanks for being with (laughs) us. Uh, Thanks for slugging through it, buddy.
1: Anytime. Anytime for you guys. You're the best.
0: Uh, E.J. Raddick, uh, what an awesome dude uh, (laughs) being with us on trade deadline day, after the trade deadline. I told you guys, normally you do these hits before the trade deadline Mm -hmm. to create the hype and and you generate, okay, this is where you watch it, this is what you do. Not after. That is getting... Through it, and uh, I'm really impressed that uh, that he was able to shed some light on some of the deals that uh, that occurred on this deadline day.
3: Yeah, and full disclosure, I, I gave EJ uh, a couple of of times and and appointments that would have had him on prior to the deadline. His choice, his choice was to come on this show at this time post deadline. That's dedication.
0: He's. It brings up an interesting point about how we look at this. This is go time for the teams. Mm-hmm. You you put the pedal down, and it's the stretch drive, and every game is almost playoff-type intensity. But for the media, the next 10 days, two weeks, you step back for the regular media. Not you and I. We're, like, <laughs> locked in. Uh, but the regular media, you step back, because you're going to have to do the, the entire two months of the journey. Mm-hmm. You're not like players where... You may go for one round, you may go four. Uh, So you catch your breath, and then you come back with 10 games to go, and you're all in. So uh, awesome analysis. Uh, taking us inside uh, the world of uh, the trade deadline with E.J. Raddick. When we continue, news and notes from around the National Hockey League with one-timers, and we'll bring in Bruce Cassidy and his availability ahead of this game against the New Jersey Devils. You're listening to Fox Sports Las Vegas. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores.
2: It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Inside. Show.
0: I don't like to brag, but okay. I'm really good. <laughs> okay. Seriously, I'm 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 doing sports talk radio yep. and putting on TV makeup mm-hmm. at the same time, yep. and you're witnessing this, so you, you can't even challenge me on
3: this. Like I'm really good. I mean, I'm not really witnessing it; it's it's being done. Why to won't you me look to it? Well, because I'm I'm focused. I'm I am I am steely eyed. Why does this make focused? you uncomfortable? It doesn't make me uncomfortable. I just. I, I spend most of the time not looking at you anyway. Huh.
0: Missed a shave right there. You missed what? Yeah. Missed a spot in the shave. Really? Just looking at it. Uh, one-timers, uh, we are talking about trades that happen today. Yeah. In particular today. And you've got a trade of very noticeable notoriety in the sense of it's never happened before.
3: Yeah, the Arizona Coyotes acquired Brett Ritchie and Connor Mackey from the Calgary Flames in exchange for nick ritchie and troy stetcher so brothers traded for each other for the first time in nhl history
0: never happened before It's wild this is from general manager brad Trailing of the calgary flames i think they kind of got leaked out so they were laughing at the time <laughs> that i called them it's unique if for nothing else we're unique it just worked out that way i think it's going to give brett an opportunity there and we get nick to get him an opportunity first time for everything a little unique and i had a chuckle with both of them while we were talking that's pretty good because the pressure's on brad right now <laughs> but that's great on a guy to be able to have a little fun uh, with the situation as he tries to claw
3: his way back into playoff contention in calgary yeah again it's it's you know you you've got a lot of You've got a lot of pressure there's a lot of eyes on you the calgary flames uh even with what went out last year uh i feel like brad acquitted himself really well in, in bringing in jonathan huberdo mackenzie weger bringing in Nazim kadri trying to mitigate what was lost from that roster going into this season it hasn't gone according to plan but there's still an opportunity and you know what if you can have a little bit of fun when when you're in that pressure pack situation i think that does a a good job calming everybody else down around you john klingberg
0: was dealt remember he signed that one-year deal with the anaheim ducks seven million dollars because he didn't get any Mm long-term offers so he went to anaheim hoping he could be moved at the trade deadline ends up on a playoff bound team right now in the minnesota wild i like the trade i think it gives them a little bit of puck moving ability a little bit of offensive uh upgrade on the back end klingberg hasn't had a great year nobody has in anaheim but i'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do going to a more stable environment than what anaheim is
3: yeah i mean john klingberg for you know his entire career with a dallas stars team that was pretty good most of it Uh, was a a strong defenseman now you're playing for the anaheim ducks there's a lot of reasons why i think you can kind of be stagnant on a team like that so let's see if the change of scenery to a team that's in the playoffs right now pushes john klingberg back to what he was
0: vegas does not make a deal today so they stand by making four Ac- not acquisitions, but for transactions overall when you factor in the Shea Weber uh, deal with the Arizona Coyotes. Three more players brought in and now they go for the final 21 games starting tonight against the New Jersey Devils. Here is head coach Bruce
3: Cassidy. Are
4: you with the move that you guys were able to make? Well, I mean, I, you know, I like our roster going in. Obviously, the Quick addition we, we talked about right we're it was a ne- very much a need and a um, opportunity to acquire a guy with a great resume leadership stanley cup winner in the room so you put those two things together the other guys were i think a need in terms of barbershop the inside presence i think is you know losing stoney it really hurt us in that regard i'm not saying they're the same player but they have some of the attributes of to get the, to the blue paint uh, Blueger with with Nick Waugh's injury adds some depth there, uh, can plug him right in and we, we don't lose uh, that that identity of that fourth line is, is our hope there. So that, that's pretty much in a nutshell. There's obviously a lot more that goes into them. I'm not going to speak for Kelly but that's how I see it as a coach. You've got three
3: guys this week that have all been on one team for their entire kind
0: few of 20 games
3: left in the stretch run we talked about the camaraderie the this time of year is that
4: well, I think for those guys coming in, they're used to being in one spot, so they've obviously stayed there for a reason. They've been kept there for a reason. And so that's important to those players, and it'll be important to them here. Um, and I think having a tight-knit room just makes it that much easier to walk in. And I think Vegas has a reputation of uh, being a winning culture, so they want that. Um will won a cup, uh, Quick has two. Uh, Bluger's been to the playoffs a lot with, with guys in their room that have, have cup rings. So I think that was important to us as well. I think as a coach, it's always easier to integrate at this time of the year, those types of players, because it's about winning. They understand that. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but only they can tell you you know how it's going to go for them. But I, I, I anticipate it'll go smoothly for them. Um, obviously, Barbashev with Petro, there's a, a common... Bond between them. Flags fly forever, you know, saying, and the same with Quick and Martinez. Um, you know, maybe less so for Teddy. So that might be a little, he might have a little more of a, uh, I don't want to say difficult time, because that's probably not the right word, but he won't have the, the easy attachment of sharing that winning bond as, as the other two. What have your conversations with Quick and together? Uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, we discussed the opportunity in front of them uh basically what i told you guys the other day we we've liked our goaltending this year it's just not healthy right now so we needed um someone we know that we could put in the net put in the net soon because we don't want to run with aaron hill or aiden hill sorry every, every night every second night who's aaron hill why is that in my head? is he a baseball player nothing no golfer corn ferry tour anything help me nothing <laughs> um anyway uh we didn't want to put aiden in every second night especially just coming off an injury so we've got a guy that's played in the league and had success in the league so um that that was the conversation he's going to get an opportunity here and then when everyone's healthy we got a decision to make right so there's no guarantees from there but you'll have um you'll be guaranteed opportunity until they come back to, to get some starts how many i don't want to put a number on it and uh if you're the best guy at the end of the day then then you'll be given an opportunity to to get the net, so, but that's, that's a conversation I think is st- still a little bit down the road. What do we do when everyone's healthy? And I'm sure I'll get those questions and we'll decide, we'll have a better idea where uh, where Jonathan's at then. And that, so that was what was conveyed to him. Uh, we talked a bit about our system. I think John Stevens would be a real good uh, conduit in that, in that regard, can, can talk about the differences maybe that would have been in the past and even now in LA more than I can to him so I think that'll be you know good for him to to hear some of that and then he's just got to get in there and live it right play in front of the group get to know the group go from there what was it like having him on the ice today well it's always great to have another veteran presence like that out there I think he's he's a very competitive man I think he's feeling his way around obviously this group but I don't think it'll take long so it was good it was good to have him you know on the flip side like I, I think, what gets lost this is, is, Hutch did a lot of good things for the organization. He was always there, but didn't get the opportunity. Now he goes to Columbus. I really hope he gets a chance to play. He, he's a guy I've known for a long time. He was drafted by the Bruins. I had him as a young guy. He's worked his way through. Had some good moments in the NHL. So hopefully, this is a good opportunity for him because I feel he gets kind of moved along here, but and never really got his opportunity. So hopefully, he gets it in Columbus. <clears throat> Aaron Dale, by the way. What's that? Aaron Dell. Aaron Dell, yes, I know him. He's San Jose, right? Aaron Dell's a baseball player. Retired he 2017. told you. I knew it. I'm going to say the St. Louis Cardinals? No. Sure. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's out there somewhere. How you doing, Aaron? Any sense, Doctor Johnson,
2: his <clears> level of motivation at <throat> this point in his career? He trade trading us?
4: I believe there's a lot there. I do, and and that's just simple conversations. He and. and Everyone's just described him as probably the most competitive teammate they've ever had that doesn't go away it really doesn't it won't go away whenever down the road that's how he's wired so i'm he's going to be very competitive here It's just at the end of the day it's a business right can you get it done? can you play the other guy that's a little the messaging and I think he understands that he just lived it in l a he he knows it he knows what's what's in front of him and it's an opportunity that he Again, only he can speak for it. He wasn't getting in L.A. that he's going to get here or did get and they chose another guy, whatever the situation is that he will get an opportunity. And I think competitive people, that's all they want at the end of the day. And he didn't come in here expecting to be anointed the number one or anointed anything. He's going to get an opportunity to compete for the crease. And I think that's good enough for him right now. <clears throat> it's
2: like Potter's coming out, what was your message to him?
4: The message to Paul was, you know, nobody's given up on you. You're a good hockey player, uh, have been a good hockey player, will continue to be a good hockey player for us. Um, we want him to value the details of the game, especially this time of year. You go into the playoffs, low-scoring games, um, board work, defensive zone, stick. Uh, winning, you're hanging on to pucks in the ozone to help create offense because it doesn't always happen on the rush, especially, you know, as the games get tighter. He has to value that part of the game and work on that part of the game. And that's what we're here for. So I thought it was good and positive. Obviously, no one likes being taken out of the lineup, but this is a, you know, it's its not forever. We don't know how it's going to play. It might be right back in there Sunday. So I, I thought it was a good conversation for Paul. It's a little bit about the, the learning curve of a young guy growing into a man type of thing. And a man's, you always hear it's more of a man's game this time of year in April and May. And, and that's the part he has to live. And he hasn't done that. So to expect him to be able to, Handle it right away every night is, is probably unfair. Um, so we'll see the next time he goes in how, how that will play out. Obviously, another tough test tonight in New Jersey. I guess kind of the additions you guys juice some extra energy. Yeah, I think so. Usually, you know, that's what happens. I think we got some juice from the game the other night. <clears throat> Good, solid, hard hockey game, playoff sort of atmosphere. Jerseys, like Carolina, they might have passed them. I'm not sure. They're, 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 they're the top of the Metro different a little different type of game um, but elite teams in in that division and in the league for that matter so that that should be enough to get your attention Um, we hadn't played Carolina we have played Jersey we know that they have the ability they just scored seven in Colorado I mean the guys pay attention so we couldn't get one up there so they they know there's threats to to score offensively um, on that team and if you don't keep them in check that you're going to be pulling it out of your net so I think it's another good test for us to get to our game, the game we need to play. Um, so that's what's, I think that's what will motivate the guys tonight um, as much as, you know, some new blood in the room. Kelly
2: mentioned that getting blueger allows you to kind of move Wah around a little bit when he's back. What's the ideal spot
4: for Wah? Well, we don't know that yet, to be honest with you. I mean, we were going to move him up a little bit away from that fourth line to see if he could complement us, you know, more of a scoring line. Uh, He he goes for a few games and an injury came so I don't know yet that and that that's the difficult part going you know as you go get run out of runway here with games to to figure that part out. I do know that I love his game between Colasar and carrier love it so there's you know worst case scenario we know what we do have maybe there'll be some time to experiment how that affects Teddy Bluger. Well, you know, until he's back, I, I you know, I don't want to speculate, but uh, that that much I know about Nick. I like his power play net front presence. He's done a great job on on either unit. Uh, he's been a big part of the kill. He's a right stick on the draw. So there's, we lost a lot of little things that may, maybe don't show up on the score sheet positionally that with Nick's injury, but hopefully Teddy will alleviate some of that. And you saw face off right dot last uh was carolina six seconds left jack wins a big big draw for us right so that's a little more on his plate uh, as well barbachev on the penalty kill can take some of nick's um minutes and ammo on the power play but uh, getting back to your question i don't know if we're going to find out you know that depends on his return and he's not on the ice yet so like i said uh, hopefully there's some time at the end to, to sort through that
0: uh, you obviously heard that Paul Cotter is going to be taken out of the lineup. I think it's mm-hmm. a chance to catch his breath and he'll be right back in. Uh, I have no worries about that. Uh, a lot of the young players get scratched after the trade deadline when teams bring in established veteran talent.
3: Yeah, and and for Paul, I, I think that, you know, as, as you mentioned, kind of take a step back, take catch your breath. And, you know, when you get that... that call to come back into the lineup it's it's as bruce talks about all about the details we've seen paul uh play really well away from the puck Uh, it's not just about the numbers not just about the goals um it's about taking care and playing the right way and and when he gets back in that's that's the expectation and bruce
0: cassidy i will not forgive you for quite some time what you've done to me during the course of that press conference oh boy because Aiden Hill, mm-hmm. we know mm-hmm. Aaron Hill is an infielder. Played 16 seasons in Major League Baseball, uh, Toronto, Toronto Blue Jays uh, a long time. So we all follow the Toronto Blue Jays okay. as Canadians. That's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. It uh, it's been on the radar, but now that I've heard it, I mm-hmm. know for a fact. I know for a fact I'm going to call him Aaron Hill instead of Aiden Hill. Just.
3: Now it's in the back when, of my head. When that happens, if you're listening, I'm going to say, "Be Bruce, sure, Bruce, you did this to me." Okay, just be be sure tonight when you're listening or, or watching Darren when he says it, tweet at him at Darren Millard. Let him know that he made a mistake.
0: Bruce, you did this to me. Uh, catching up with Chapman as we continue on Fox Sports Las Vegas. <laughs>
2: When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for catching up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. So tonight, kind of a kind of a strange anniversary of sorts because it was three years ago today that the New Jersey Devils were in town to play the Golden Knights, and it was the last home game at T-Mobile Arena. That's right. Before The shutdown for COVID. Now, the Golden Knights went on the road for a few games before the shutdown, but that was the last home game before everything was flipped upside down, and it was kind of strange that it happens to come against the New Jersey Devils of all teams. March 3rd of 2020. Here we are, March 3rd of 2023. Devils in a much better place than they were three years ago. Can I
0: just jump in here? Yes. I had a conversation with a member of their organization that night. I remember it clearly, And, and they told me, this was their Stanley Cup playoffs. It was coming into Vegas. They loved the environment. They knew it was going to be rocking. They were really looking forward to playing that night because they weren't going anywhere. And now now they're challenging for first in the Metro.
2: Yeah, it was kind of a weird thing because I talked to Pavel Zaka after the game, and he had mentioned that he only had a couple of sticks left to get through the season because all the factories in China had shut down. So he wasn't quite sure what was going to happen if he, if he ran out of sticks. So... We didn't get to that because obviously the shutdown. He didn't run out of sticks, but it was just a weird, a weird situation and, and kind of a unique. thing. But we thing.
0: didn't know at that point. That no, the world was no. Shutting down. Well, we didn't. We thought it was going to be a couple of days.
2: Yeah. Well, fortunately, we're, we're past that now, and two teams are in very different situations, and uh, both teams with now with Stanley Cup aspirations. So well, it's kind of kind of Vegas a fun had thing. Them then, right? They
0: were, they, were, they were
2: rolling. Oh, yeah, but the, at that time, the Devils stunk. So it's good to see both teams performing well at this juncture of the season. So late in the season, and both teams now having aspirations to maybe meet each other in uh, late May, early June.
0: Who do you have a stronger connection to, <laughs> Vegas or New Jersey? Because that's your homeland.
2: Well, I probably shouldn't share this, but I have a New Jersey Devils banner hanging in my cubicle. That says 3 times Stanley Cup champions. I don't have one for the Golden Knights. So, uh, I have a, I would say, a stronger bond with the New Jersey Devils. But I don't really root for them anymore. I don't root for anybody. Wait I Until
0: I, your buddy uh, William Carlson finds out about that. will <laughs> not be too happy. <laughs> no, uh, no. I, I don't
2: think he's going to lose much sleep over it.
0: No, I don't think he's going to be very happy at all. Pre game shows coming up with Ryan Wallace, Devils and Golden Knights on trade deadline day on Fox Sports Las Vegas.